Welcome to Broad Eye, the podcast that explores knowledge gaps in ophthalmology and eye care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Broad Eye podcast. My name is Sean Maloney. I'm here today with my co-host, Dr. Bruno Fernandez. Bruno, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Sean. Thank you. Uh, happy to connect with an old friend. That's uh, one of the things that this podcast has done for us, right? <laughs> there, there you go. So I'm going to take uh, the opportunity to introduce this old friend who is a uh, Halfway around the world here, this is Dr. Enzo Castiglione, who is an assistant professor of ophthalmology at the University of Chile. Enzo, welcome. Thanks for joining us. It's very good to join. Good to hear from you. So what's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> well, t- t- today you're in the hot seat. And as we were talking <laughs> before this <laughs> podcast, you spend all your working days talking in Spanish. Today, we're going mm-hmm. to force you to talk in English for the next 40 minutes or so. So, uh, My pleasure. There you go. It'll be fun. Um, so today, we're going to talk a, um, a lot about uveitis. And I thought maybe we could start with um, you know, a description of uveitis. So what would you, if you diagnose a patient with uveitis, how would you, if, if, if the time allowed, if you had five minutes to sit there and explain that to the patient, how would you explain what uveitis is? Well, when, when you do your practice in uveitis, you need to spend those five minutes explaining your patient because this is something very uh, unknown to common people. Most probably none of you have heard of uveitis except uh, if you are a physician or you have a family or, a family or friend involved in the disease. So uh, uvea is the Latin word for grape, and that means the um, uh, it's it's a way to call the contents the intraocular contents which comes from ancient uh, during wartime whenever your eye got injured and you have a, a exposure of the intraocular contents it looked like a smashed grape so uh, uveitis means inflamed grape that means inflammation of the intraocular contents that's that's the concept your eye gets inflamed on the inside not as a conjunctivitis, which most of us have suffered in our lives, but this is on the inside, which is uh, something serious. I have to explain the patients that they're having inflammation inside their eyes because their immune system is fighting against an infection, an infection they could have inside their eyes. But the problem is only about 20% of the cases have a real infection around 80% of the patients will have a fake infection inside their eyes. That's the the particular thing about it, that your immune system goes inside your eye to fight an unexistent infection. How weird is that, right? Uh, Yeah, so that's an important concept. A lot of patients confuse inflammation with infection. So uh, uveitis is indeed an inflammation without any external agent. Is that correct? That's right. Sometimes, just 15, 20, even up to 25% of the cases, there is an actual infection. But most of the time, there are some fake signals that confuse your immune system, which will enter to the eye and attack a phantom, a ghost. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you get uveitis in one eye only, or it's always a bilateral disease? You can have either. Uh, you can have unilateral uveitis, which is the most frequent. So it's an acute attack uh, that will make you feel uh, uncomfortable. You will have the blurred vision, the, you will have pain and redness, and in particular, photophobia. That means that the light will hurt you. 
that's the most common type of uveitis you will see around, acute uveitis, which is very symptomatic and almost always unilateral. And uh, uh, you, you, so uh, you mentioned like acute uveitis, is that something as chronic uveitis as well? Or is it always an acute disease or there are some that are more insidious and then uh, uh, the, the, the symptoms are, are kind of like, you know, stay for a long time? That's right. You can have chronic uveitis and you can have bilateral uveitis. And uh, the onset is uh, many times insidious, but they will not go away. So when you have the common uveitis, the most common acute uveitis, your immune system will um, understand that there's a mistake going on and it will stop in about one to three months. So listen, this is very uh, unusual for people who have been healthy all the time. If you get a cold, if you get an infection, if you have any uh, traumatic injury, you will be recovered by one or two weeks. But if you have a simple uveitis, you will only be recovered about two months from the start. So, so the, all this will happen in slow motion. Acute uveitis, imagine an acute disease for two or three months, that's awful. But if the disease has not stopped by three months, that means that the mechanisms behind it will keep on working kind of permanently. So then uh, uveitis that does not succeed in three months is something you consider the chronic uveitis, a chronic condition. So that's scary. <laughs> um, that's scary the, yes. <laughs> so a couple of uh, things that come up, right? So um, you're saying that in about 80% of the cases, your body is quote unquote attacking a phantom. So I wanted to understand a little bit more about uh, what, you know, what triggers this, what causes this. And also at the same time, maybe if you can talk about um, just the immune response in the eye, because I've always looked at the eye or been, been taught in school that the eye is an immune privileged site, right? So maybe if you can just comment on those two elements. Well, not all of the mechanisms behind uveitis are known. We considered you chronic uveitis, especially as a multifactorial disease. That means you need a genetic background or susceptibility and you need a trigger. And the trigger can be local, but most frequently is uh, supposed to be systemic. Um, let's, let's say, for example, there's a common disease here in South America, which we call VKH disease. The, the, those are the first capital letters for Fok, Yanagi, Harada, the three uh, names uh, who, of, of people who describe the disease. When you have BKH disease, your immune system will attack an enzyme, a tyrosinase, which is involved in building melanin of central nervous system. That means the pigment in your eyes, the pigment inside your uh, ears, and the pigment that involves the meningeal plexus, okay? So uh, when you have the attack, you will have meningism, you'll have a huge headache, you will start uh, hearing uh, strange things, which we call tinnitus, and then you will go blind, bilaterally blind in a few weeks. Uh, it's all reversible, of course. Well, what we know is that when you have an identical twin, the second twin will get the disease in about 75% of the cases. That means that you are kind of genetically programmed to have the disease once you, give, once you find your trigger. 
And some people have uh, proposed that uh, some viral infection because of molecular mimicry could confuse the immune system. So your immune system goes and fights cytomegalovirus infection. And because part of this, uh, this enzyme uh, resembles the part of the virus, then you will have um, an immune response against both. So in that case, it's very clear that there's a genetic background. Uh, when you have re relapsing anterior uveitis, many times you have one single model of immune system, which is, which is HLA-B27. And only about 1% of bearers of HLA-B27 will have inflammation. But if that's the case, uh, the most frequent manifestation is ankylosing spondylitis. And the second most common manifestation is uh, relapsing, recurring acute anterior uveitis. So th th there are several factors uh, that could explain why do you get sick of this? Uh, so it, you started mentioning some, some non-ophthalmological manifestations of uveitis, right? Like tinnitus and, uh, and, and other manifestations. So it is, it is a rather systemic disease, right? So the inflammation, it, it can affect like other parts of the body as well, not uh, the eye alone. Yes, it, it could happen. Actually, it occurs in one every three cases in average. So one every three patients will have a systemic disease, which could be either vasculitis, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, lupus, or so on, or an infection, of course. But two every three patients will have nothing else going wrong. So that's an isolated mistake of the immune system. Uh, but the mistake must be a big mistake because as Sean uh, told us, the eye is an immune privileged site. So uh, eyes just don't get inflamed for nothing. Inflammation inside the eye uh, is very regulated. There are several mechanisms to stop inflammation from happening inside the eye. And uh, all those mechanisms need to be surpassed in order for you to have the uveitis. So we're talking about, uh, well, maybe just dial back for a second. So first of all, I didn't know that the uh, uveitis or at the heart of that was a uvea and that comes from grape, but uh, it makes sense now when you say it. Um, yeah. But I'm just curious if you can maybe just explain what exactly the uvea is and or the uveal tract and um, why that tends to be, uh, I want to say the, the target in this case, or I mean, does inflammation happen in all other parts of the eye, but this is just how we define uh, inflammation in this area. If you just elaborate on that a little bit and what, you know, what the uvea is comprised of. Okay, well, uh, if you divided an eye in equal halves, that's what uh, Bruno used to do in the ocular pathology laboratory long time ago, <laughs> but we did yeah. in those days. When you open an eye, you will see the outside, the, the external layer is the sclera, which is the white of your eye. That's a thick wall. That could get inflamed as well, typically in patients with uh, uncontrolled rheumatoid arthritis or uh, just primary scleritis, you can have that. So the following layer to the inside is the uvea, which is a vascular tissue. So it's a pigmented tissue with huge amounts of blood vessels. So in the rare part, we call that the choroid. And the choroid uh, is there to remove the heat of the light coming into your retina. The eye 
is like a huge magnifying glass, which condenses the light in an image in the retina. Why does not, doesn't your retina get burned? Because the choroid, that means the uvea in the back part of the eye, will have a, a huge blood flow removing and releasing that heat. Okay, so you have the choroid as a refrigerator in your back part, and in the anterior part of the uvea, you have the iris, the iris that gives the color of your eyes, your blue iris, your green iris, your brown iris, uh, will, uh, will work as a diaphragm, filtering the amount of light going inside the eye. Uh, the iris is also part of the anterior uvea. And in between, you have the ciliary muscle, which will uh, make, uh, will allow you to focus your vision for the far or near distance. So these three structures, the iris in front, the ciliary body behind, and the choroid on the rear part are the uvea. It's not that the uvea is uh, particularly prone to inflammation. It just happens that way. The tissue that would be really prone to inflammation is the retina. The retina has, a lots, of, has lots of proteins that could enhance an autoimmune reaction. Why does not, why the, it does not happen frequently? Because uh, besides the immune privilege of the eye, the blood vessels in the retina are unable to let uh, proteins and cells go through their walls. On the contrary, the vessels in the uvea are permeable. They, they, they allow trafficking of uh, big proteins between the intravascular uh, area and the uh, extravascular or, or, or interstitium. You know? so, so there's connection between the intravascular and the tissue itself. Uh, okay, so that was, that, was a, that was a pretty good review of the anatomy of the eye. And, and uh, uh, I figured then, like, so you mentioned three, uh, uh, regions, right? Like I mean, for the uvea. Uh, so I guess the symptoms will be different depending on which which uh, part of the uvea is, uh, is affected by the inflammation. Is that right? Yes, yes, that's right. The anterior uvea uh, is a modified part of the skin. So it's just like when you burn your skin, you will have redness and pain and an itchy sensation. So anterior uveitis will be very symptomatic. You will have pain, redness, photophobia, most of the time, and it can be very intense. Luckily, they have a better prognosis because the novel structures of the eye are in the back part, in the, in the rear part. So when you have posterior uveitis, you will have a loss of vision, but most probably the amount of pain will be mild or maybe it will be painless. So when you have posterior uveitis, you will have visual symptoms. And when you have anterior uveitis, you will have uh, irritation, uh, pain, uh, you will be more uncomfortable. And if you can like, just uh, uh, touch briefly on the treatment of uveitis, I know it's a very long topic and every uveitis has a particular uh, treatment associated with it, but uh, the, the, the guideline, right? So the approach uh, to treat uveitis, uh, so what is it? Like, you know, it, 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 it,
If you find the bug, just kill the germs. You can give antivirals for patching uveitis or antibiotics uh, if you have a bacterial or protozoal infection. In the case it is not infectious, you will stop inflammation with corticosteroids. So the, the first step in treating uveitis patients will be corticosteroids. If the uveitis has a strong anterior component, you will give steroids in drops. You will just have to put drops in your eyes very frequently and that will make the work for you. If the uveitis uh, affects the rare part of the eye, you will have to take oral steroids. So that will help. The problem is that you cannot stay on steroids forever. So if you have chronic disease, you are not expected to stay on steroids for more than, a, for more than three months with the dose above 10 milligrams of prednisone per day. Uh, that's the problem. The real problem in uveitis is chronic uveitis, which needs more than 10 milligrams of prednisone a day so as to keep control of the disease. So then you jump to steroid sparing agents, which are different immunosuppressive drugs, biologic uh, drugs that will reduce the level of activity of your immune system. So this is just like uh, uh, giving pills to calm your nerves. So instead of giving pills, pills to calm your nerves, we will give you pills to calm your immune system. And so I might want to take a bit of a, <clears throat> a bit of a, a left turn in the conversation because yes, um, I've always known you as a retina guy. And, you know, when we, when we met, uh, I don't know, more than a decade, more than a decade ago, probably, um, I, you know, I knew you as a, a retina guy back then and you have, uh, transitioned into ocular immunology and uveitis. So I was wondering, A, maybe if you just comment on, you know, why, why did you do that? If you don't mind and B, um, you know, does your retina experience give you any unique perspectives um, in your current role, or do you see lots of clinical overlap between what you're seeing in retina and in uveitis clinics? Well, I, I, I still do part of both things because in the posterior pole, that means the rare part of the eye, the retina and the uvea, they're in perfect contact. And if one of those gets inflamed, uh, it will inflame the neighboring tissue as well. So there's a, a common area for both diseases. At that time, I was very uh, enthusiastic about performing surgery. Most of vitreoretinal surgery here is uh, diabetic retinopathy. But in the last 20 years, uh, our country has uh, improved the uh, medical education and uh, screening uh, programs. So the amount of diabetic retinopathy that needs surgery is decreasing steadily. So uh, the volume of uh, vitro-retinal surgery in my practice became uh, reducing and my interest in immunology uh, started increasing. Not many people is happy doing uveitis. Imagine that we are ophthalmologists which uh, decided to operate on eyes and to prescribe eye drops but finally you finish your life uh, prescribing immunosuppressive therapy, which is something which we're not familiar with. Uh, it is very hard to manage immunosuppressive therapy. Uh, the real expert for this are usually rheumatologists or people who, went, who work with organ transplantation. The drugs we use for chronic uveitis are the same drugs that people need to take in order to avoid rejecting for, uh, for example, a renal graft. 
because the mechanisms uh, between rejection of, of an allograft and rejecting your own eyes sometimes are very similar, and the therapy is about the same. Uh, and so only if you, now we can start diving into specific uh, uveitis, uh, or mm -hmm. actually like specific autoimmune uh, conditions. And uh, you, you, you mentioned already that the, the retina, it's, it's the actual structure of the eye that's very immunogenic. Uh, so can you can you expand a bit on that and define what like an autoimmune uh, retinitis is? Well, be, before going to autoimmune retinitis, there, there's a condition which is known for for longer time, which is called sympathetic ophthalmia. So imagine if you have a serious uh, injury in one of your eyes, with let's say um, penetrating trauma. So uh, your right eye gets irreversibly damaged. And what, how could you explain that two or three months after that, your remaining left eye uh, begins to hurt, begins uh, with blurry vision, and finally you lose your second eye, your uninjured eye. Uh, that was a, a mystery for a very long time. And they call it sympathetic ophthalmia, meaning that the second eye would sympathize with the first eye and will join its, uh, its uh, wrong evolution. Uh, it, uh, it will join the drama. What really happened is that when you have a, a, a serious injury in one of your eyes, your retinal antigens will get in touch with your immune system. And all these um, uh, immune proteins, all these antigens will stimulate a systemic response against retinal antigens. And the immune response will not discriminate between the injured eye and the fellow eye. And you can go blind. And, and that is one of the um, uh, hardest autoimmune uh, conditions to treat in, in ocular disease. So that is one of the cases, uh, sympathetic ophthalmia, which help us understand that retinal antigens could uh, trigger autoimmunity, okay? Autoimmune retinitis is a very different condition. It was uh, discovered almost by chance by people, uh, especially in the US, who about 30 years ago, starting studying patients uh, with uh, retinitis pigmentosa. So someone really wanted to be sure that people with RP did not have a genuine, uh, genuine uh, inflammatory condition. And they, start they started testing for uh, antibodies against retinal antigens. And they found that a very small amount of patients who were diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa actually had an inflammatory condition behind. They were producing big amounts of antibodies against retinal proteins. Uh, this could happen as a paraneoplastic disease. That means you have cancer somewhere and your cancer dysregulated your immune system. And uh, as a complication, as a distant complication of this, you could go blind resembling RP. So you mentioned that um, you could have this uh, inflammation of the retina uh, if you had uh, a neoplastic disease. If we're talking about non-perineoplastic uh, autoimmune retinitis, 
how how common is that? And is that something that, you know, if somebody has RP, like I have RP, and you know that, um, and, but I mean, mm-hmm. I've I've done undergone genetic testing, but is that something that uh, people should be concerned about if they're um, primary or their ophthalmologist has diagnosed them with RP? Is there something further testing that should be done, or is it so rare that it's probably not something that should be done? All of those alternatives are correct, Sean, uh, because, uh, okay, it's very, very infrequent. Uh, I've been practicing uveitis for the last 10 years, uh, almost exclusively. Uh, I, I receive uh, people from my university, which has four teaching hospitals. That means uh, like, uh, it's just like uh, seeing every uveitis patient from uh, McGill University for 10 years. And I have only found three patients with uh, autoimmune uh, retinopathy. But the three patients have the same profile. The, the, their symptoms are similar to RP. So they have night blindness, uh, the, they have a difficult, uh, difficulty in the reading abilities, uh, but they describe something which is very particular. They can, pers- they can see their arcuate scotomas. That means that they keep central vision, they keep peripheral vision, but in between, they start having a ring of blindness. Of course, in the later phase, they see, uh, they, 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 they have trouble with color vision. Their colors they see are less saturated. Uh, and uh, some of them have something that resembles photopsia. That means that they, they see kind of sparkling lights spontaneously and they see them frequently, or, or sometimes they see them permanently. So uh, if, if you as an eye doctor have seen one of these cases before, you will never forget. But the first time is very difficult because there are some things that resemble inflammation and there are other things that resemble a typical RP. So unless you, you are seen by an expert who has experience on this, you better go for testing. Um, in America, I have the feeling that every sample goes to the same laboratory in Portland, Oregon. Uh, even if you have a case in Chile, you will send, uh, you will send the samples to, to Portland, Oregon, uh, where they will test for antiretinal antibodies in your blood. So that is something that should be considered when you have the clinical suspicion. Of course, if you have genetic testing for RP, then you can feel confident that you have RP. But if your genetic testing is uh, negative, if you don't have a family history, and if some of your eye doctors think that you could have inflammation behind, then you need to think about it. And you need to make a fluorescent angiogram. Uh, you need to treat, make a visual field testing, electroretinography, and uh, seek for consultation. And many times these cases are seen by panels of doctors. Uh, when the disease is, uh, is uh, very initial, and findings are unclear or, or not definite for the disease, most probably any of us would like to share the case with, with, with other colleagues. All right. Uh, and so like still on, on treatment, right? So the, uh, so decrease in inflammation in the eye, it's, it's, it's sort of like you know, the logical approach like the treatment on, on uveitis and uh, there hasn't been a lot of changes, right? Like, I mean, over the years, uh, uh, 
in such approach. So at least as far as I know, like, I mean, so this is more like a question, like, I mean, so is there anything new? Like, I mean, what is the latest research uh, for the treatment of uveitis? Is there anything uh, to get patients excited? Well, there are always new things coming in uveitis. <laughs> well, first, there's lots of research uh, about intraocular therapy. Uh, when I was uh, at McGill almost 15, 20 years ago, uh, we were just placing corticosteroids inside the eye. But now there's research in injecting immunosuppressive therapy inside the eye. Because immunosuppressive therapy can um, increase your risk of serious, serious infection, uh, sometimes it can make you feel sick. You can have nausea, fatigue. Uh, if you need to take cyclosporine or tacrolimus, then you have, you, it can cause high blood pressure. So whenever you are able to design intraocular therapy and avoid systemic side effects, that's a good path for investigation. So new things will come through the pipeline in the, in the next few years. Next, the mediators of the uh, immune response are, are being identified and targeted by um, biological, biologic therapy. That means if you are able to identify a crucial protein in the inflammatory cascade, you can turn off that protein with, the, with antibodies. That's biologic therapy. They're antibodies against inflammatory mediators. So you can have target medicine. We can turn off that single protein that is upregulated in your case. Next, now there's lots of research on uh, microbiome. Uh, which means your uh, intestinal uh, bacteria and uh, other mi microorganisms, because uh, uh, some of the great, uh, greatest uh, immunological input to your body is your gut. Our gut has the surface of a uh, tennis field, of, uh, of a small tennis field, and imagine that it's about um, one millimeter thick. You have uh, sterile blood on one side, and you have feces on the other side. So uh, the barrier is one millimeter thick, and that means a lot of immunological work to keep uh, bacteria and pathogens away from your blood. And if you are able to modulate your uh, microbiome in your uh, gut, uh, some of your uveitis cases can uh, be easier to control, and eventually very few of them can be cured. So imagine that we are used to probiotics. What would happen if in 10 more years, we could give you a probiotic for your uh, uveitis instead of immunosuppressive drug? That could be nice, right? I think that'd be, a, that'd be amazing. As, as you're talking, it makes me think of this last 15 months in COVID. And I think, <laughs> I think everybody's alcohol consumption <laughs> has gone up and it's probably not best for, best for their, their, uh, their, intestinal, their intestinal flora. So maybe you're going to see more uveitis cases in the, in the months ahead. Hopefully not. But um, uh, just maybe on a, a last question before we wrap up, um, mm -hmm. you know, it kind of comes full circle in our conversation. We talked uh, a little, um, explain uveitis to a patient and I uh, want to maybe you know, circle back and say, um, you know, from the patient perspective, you know, um, how do you, you recognize uveitis as a patient? Like you were mentioning, uh, like photophobia and some of, some other things, but maybe if we could just kind of recap that and say, you know, as a patient, if you're having this and this and this, maybe we need to 
to get seen. And then also on that note, our you know general um, ophthalmologists or optometrists trained to recognize uveitis as well. Well, um, eye care professionals must be able to recognize uveitis. When you have a patient with uveitis, you will see in the intraocular fluids the inflammatory cells wandering around. In normal conditions, the aqueous humor, uh, which is inside your eye, and your vitreous hum humor inside your eye, eye will be devoid of any cells. When you have uveitis, the white blood cells will jump inside your eye and will be readily visible. So you just, as an eye doctor, need to go and look for the cells and see the cells. And when you see cells in the vitreous cavity on your aqueous humor, then you have uveitis. Should be easy to diagnose. The symptoms can be confusing. Because if I have a scratch in my cornea, I will have pain, redness, and photophobia. But I, most probably, I will know that something fell in my eye, that I have a foreign body, and, or that the, or my cat or my kid scratched my eye. <laughs> but if you have that spontaneously, then look for for professional assistance. I think that's, uh, no, I think that's, uh, it makes a lot of sense. So um, I think this is a, a topic that uh, maybe we can also come back to at a, you know, maybe for a round two uh, interview in the mm -hmm. future. I think that there's, you know, we certainly covered the um, quite a bit in this episode, but I know I certainly have a lot of questions uh, that are still lingering and that I probably have to formulate into some sort of, you know, cohesive, intelligent <laughs> phrases and, and send you uh, send you in advance of, uh, rather than just trying to uh, stumble through them here. So maybe we'll wrap it up at, at this point, but um, I wanted to uh, just thank you for taking the time to chat with Bruno and I, I know you're uh, extremely busy and uh, I'm sure you're quite sought after in your, in your clinic. So I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today and to share with us and with the audience, uh, you know, your, the knowledge of, uh, of your discipline. Well, I'm very happy to share our experiences and I would just like to add a final sentence for patients. When patients have autoimmune conditions affecting their eyes, they feel guilty. Some of them uh, want to find out why it is them who are attacking their own eyes. Uh, sometimes they think that they have a psychological conflicts which will have been uh, not properly uh, been resolved. That's, that's not right. I, I must tell people with uveitis not to feel guilty about them because we all have mechanisms in our bodies that will eliminate any cell that is not working properly. Our immune system is programmed to kill our, proper, our own cells if they are old, if they are injured, if they are uh, uh, neoplastic or pre-neoplastic. And from time to time, they make a single mistake. So don't feel guilty if you have autoimmune uveitis, it's not your fault. And Enzo, on that, uh, it's fairly common also for uveitis patients like to, to feel a bit discouraged like when you, we tell them that uh, it's a disease for life. They're probably going to need treatment for a very long time, if not forever, and they're definitely going to need to be followed like forever as well, like that the concept of a cure uh, uh, ain't, ain't, ain't so much practical when we think about uveitis. Uh, do you, well, how do you uh, support them like psychologically when, when you deal with that kind of situation? Well, Bruno, that's a fantastic question. Thanks for asking. About 30% of the patients with chronic uveitis will be cured by seven years of systemic treatment. Why? 
your eyes have a, a magnificent ability to build up immunosuppressive T cells. So all of us can build small amounts of immune cells, which work is to stop the immune response. So if you are persistent with therapy, if you control and avoid any flare up, after some few years, your amount of uh, what we call the T-Rex, T-regulatory cells can um, outnumber the effector autoaggressive T cells and you can, uh, op uh, you can uh, achieve uh, sustained drug-free remission. The, that 30% number comes from the MAS trial where patients were randomized to intrabritial cort uh, corticosteroid implant or systemic immunosuppressive therapy. And the group under systemic therapy uh, managed to get rid of the disease in around 30% of the cases by year seven. So for uveitis, chronic does not necessarily mean forever. That's, uh, that's, that's great to hear. Uh, I appreciate you sharing your knowledge and, and uh, I'm sure the patients with uveitis in the audience uh, will do it too. Thank you for your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, thank you.